Welcome to the Fearless Women Podcast. We're inspiring conversations for the unafraid. I'm Janice McDonald, founder of The Beacon Agency, author, and global champion for women. Why am I making this show? Because I want to share the inspiring stories of women leaders in business, arts and culture, politics, and more with all of you. Hear how they've chosen to go forward and be bold and make the world a better place, even when it wasn't easy to do. Subscribe now wherever you find podcasts. Hey, everybody, I'm Janice McDonald. Welcome to the Fearless Women podcast. Today, it's an important conversation with an inspiring friend. Welcome, Stephanie Richardson, founder of DIFD. Hi, Janice. Thank you for having me. And thank you to our listeners from around the world, including UK, USA, Australia, Hong Kong, Ireland, and so many more countries. We want our community to grow. So please tell your friends and follow us on Instagram. Thanks also to our amazing sponsors, 30% Club Canada, ADGA, and BDC. So Stephanie, we have so much to talk about, uh, but I want to start with hockey. So it's been a huge part of your life. Your husband, Luke Richardson, played for 21 years in the NHL as a defenseman. He's now an assistant coach for the Montreal Canadiens. You've had a front row seat uh, to the game for decades now, as Luke has played uh, on many different teams. You've been to so many different cities. So how has the game changed for you and your family as Luke has gone from player to coach? Oh, it's been remarkable. We've, um, we were very lucky that we really enjoyed when Luke played. He, he had a long career. And it's hard to do that. I, I don't want to make it seem light, like, oh, he had a long career. It was super easy. But every day is a really hard day because you're only as good as your last game. So that was um, really interesting to see him do that and how he prepared for that individually and, and the commitment of our family to make that happen, right? That although the kids always came first, like his schedule is dictated to him and you sort of learn to roll with that. We're him transitioning to coaching is different. And I think it was me watching him that he knew what he needed to do individually to contribute to the team. And now he can prepare, but he's really more the coach, the mentor, the cheerleader for the other people to execute those things. So I think that was probably one of the biggest things for me to see that at first Perhaps, I don't know if frustration would be the word, but that he couldn't fix it himself. Like he just wanted to just jump, play better yeah, or <laughs> jump over the boards and go out there and do what he thought had to be done. Yeah. So that is really neat. And to, then to learn how to not micromanage it, because it used to be about your individual performance. And now it's about how do you bring out the best in people and help them be their best. Mm -hmm. So that was really, really fun for me to see. And you've you've had this opportunity to go you know, in so many different cities. Uh, so do people walk up to you and both of you and your family and talk hockey, you know, when you're picking out your broccoli or wherever, yes, especially in Montreal, do. I would think. But, you know, they really don't want to talk to me because as soon as they see my eyes glaze over <laughs> or I have no idea what they've asked, they realize, OK, this is she really is just support and a fan of the game. And uh, and I, I enjoy being that. That's a good role for me. Yeah. And it's such an exciting game. Yeah, it is. And, you know, there's so many um, neat opportunities. And we saw it um, with Morgan. Yeah. We were just speaking about it the other day that what Your hockey daughter. gave to her. Yeah. Yes. So she not only played and developed these amazing friendships and, and support through the game, she played at college. And we watched her go off and uh, win a gold medal as an 18-year-old in Czech. And we got to see that. And 
I think if you ask Luke, which is no small feat, it, it isn't, especially to represent our country yes. and then to have our country win. And I think it might be one of his proudest moments. And we both had our jerseys on that he had worn at international um, competition. And, and it was really fun for me, but fun to see him enjoy it so that he's been like a player of the game, a parent of the game, and now a coach. We're so grateful for for what that community has given to us. Yeah, hockey's amazing. So as I mentioned, you've lived in different cities in the USA and Canada. What are your tips for making friends and building community when you suddenly find yourself living in a new city, sometimes even on short notice? Yeah, I think it was to be involved in things that genuinely interested me. And then I found that I was around like-minded people and not working. I found volunteering was very helpful because it was people who had passions and they wanted to accomplish similar goals and, and make a difference. And that was a way that I felt fulfilled and I felt connected. And it could have been anything from being at the girls' schools or our church community or just a project that they're trying to get like a skating rink off the ground. What mm-hmm. does that look like? So that was probably the best way for me. And when I didn't have that, I could feel restless and unsettled. And as soon as I was able to be authentic and found something that mattered, I found myself surrounded by the most interesting and fabulous people. Mm-hmm. In city after city, right? City after Which city. Which is so fun because <laughs> you've fun. had a great chance to really to experience the game from different perspectives and different passions and then build community. And you have this support all over. Yes, that's right. So even if the game was staying the same and Luke was playing in the same league, it was the different communities that really, I think, helped shaped me as a young person. I started doing that at a young age. And, and I, I believe that really helped shape that if you can get involved in that community and that environment and see what happens, you can learn so much from people and have different experiences that I would have never had. And the hockey community gives back so much to the wider community. It does. Mm-hmm. And it, they love it. They love it. it. It is really fun to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's go a little bit back in time. How about your 10-year-old self? What was that girl like? Where'd you grow up? What were you interested in? Uh, I grew up in the West End of Ottawa, and I grew up on a street and a neighborhood and a community that everybody lived in bungalows, and they all had a bunch of kids, and we grew up, like, biking the streets. Out on the streets. Out on the streets, (laughs) playing baseball at the park, playing street hockey, whoever had a pool, it was... You know, my parents were really great that it's like, have them over for a swim. And we grew up with a real sense of community. And when I think of Ottawa, that's what I think of. And I think having grown up with that, that when we would move, I wanted that. I wanted that so bad. And I wanted it for our children so badly that when you know what it looks like um, and you don't have it, you want to really invest in it and be a part of it. And that's that's what that looked like. And you felt as a 10 year old when you're surrounded with older kids and younger kids and all the neighbors and you you feel loved, you feel mm-hmm. very loved and you feel a part of something. And it's hard to articulate it because I don't know if I would have realized it had I not ended up in a life that was so transient. Well, and I think, too. What you're describing is that sense also of there's a lot of eyes on you, you know, a lot of caring adults having a look, (laughs) right? And, you know, you can go ring the doorbell and get cookies over here or borrow someone's bike. You got got smart. You knew where to go for cookies (laughs) or for ice cream or who had the movies, you know, who had Atari. Like you knew those things. Yes. 
My uh, one of my girlfriends, uh, her she had this amazing library of books, and as an avid reader, I would go. I did the whole Nancy Drew you know, set through her and then she had a brother. So then I read all the Hardy boys too. You know, <laughs> she was my personal library. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. You just start I, to know I who has what. completely understand. Mm-hmm. I think I decided as um, a young person at one point that I wanted to cut hair and I'd convinced one of the neighbor girls that, oh, I would be really good at it. And then I realized that after you actually cut the hair, it gets shorter. <laughs> so she had quite the short bangs going for a little while, but it didn't stop me. And she let me cut it periodically throughout high school. And then I start cutting my brother's hair. I am not capable. But when I think of that, you, you just, it's fun. It was a really fun way to grow up. It'd be some fun pictures to see. Yes. And those are good friends that they, <laughs> that they let friends. you come back and do it again. Yes. So what's uh, what's something you've done that's really scared you? This is the Fearless Women podcast, you know, being bold, taking chances. What What has that meant for you? What's it's an example? A, that's a, it's an interesting question because I probably would have answered it differently. But as you know, Janice, um, we had a 14-year-old daughter that died by suicide and to say it rocked our world is such an understatement. It It, it destroyed us. We were so unwell. And I remember the first time I had to get in the car and drive. So I had basically stopped driving. I had stopped walking. I was very unwell. And the first time I got in the car and I had to get on the Queensway. Something you'd done a million times before. I was a girl Mm -hmm. that people don't, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I used to ride a Harley. So I had driven a Harley across the U.S. I've been to Sturges. I've been, I've seen Mount Rushmore on it. I've been to... Like, you know how to drive. Yeah, I, I've been like I've gone <laughs> yeah. to Nashville and to, like I've yeah. been on a motorcycle. I drive my own Harley. I couldn't drive the car. So to get in the car and actually have to get on the Queensway and drive it, I was terrified. And I remember thinking, oh, my goodness, I don't recognize myself. And it was the first time that I was genuinely afraid of doing something for no reason. Mm-hmm. And or a million it, it, reasons or a million right? reason. But there, there, I couldn't put my finger on it, why that would be fearful. And it, it was it gave me a lot of compassion for people that maybe at times I would have seen them say, oh, I can't do that. Like, you know, you call a friend and say, I have the weekend free hop in the car. It's only an eight hour drive. Come see me. Mm-hmm. And oh, no, I'm I, I don't think I can do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I fully recognized moments like that in people's lives till it happened to me. And it was, it was humbling and it was, it gave me compassion. It gave me empathy. It gave me an insight um, that I never had before. Mm-hmm. So I found that really interesting. And how, how did I work through that? Mm-hmm. Well, a whole bunch of ways, right? You've had the supportive community. Let's talk about DIFD. So it's a grassroots youth inspired movement uh, focused on creating an open dialogue around suicide and youth mental health. Uh, what does it actually stand for? Tell us a little bit more about this organization. DIFD stands for Do It For Darren. We lost our 14-year-old daughter to suicide in 2010. It was absolutely devastating. And her friends decided to make up helmet stickers for their hockey helmets. And they created a purple heart and put DIFD on it. And her teammate, they started wearing them. And then other teams started wearing them. And something that came out of so much love and sadness, they were able to transform it into something very inspiring. And we got involved and helped steer their ship, and they are rocking it. Of course, you never planned to be on this journey, and yet here you are uh, losing Darren by suicide. You and Morgan and Luke uh, have turned your devastating loss 
into such an inspirational example. Thank you. Yes, it's it's all of those things and more and less. And it's it's been a journey on its own. Community, like you said, mm-hmm. has been the biggest part of that because it belongs to everybody. We saw that from day one. So many people saw themselves in it and how it affected them. Like I just spoke about when I was unwell, my inability to drive. Like, And I think that once you have that touch your life, all of a sudden you get it. You get it. Like you're always supportive of friends and those needs, but when you've actually experienced it, it does, it, it's, it's life-changing. Um, to see the support of the community and the way people embraced the mission of breaking down stigma and having open conversations, I have never been inspired. Like from our community of Ottawa, I just... I'm floored by the love and the support and how that then was a big ripple effect. And it just keeps moving out to different cities, to different countries, new projects get undertaken. Communities are are changing the way they're doing things. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about DIFD and the working group. And I think one of the things that's exciting is uh, the Royal Ottawa Hospital Foundation is celebrating 40 years and DIFD is being recognized for the tremendous impact it's had in helping really truly to transform the landscape of mental health in our community. But as you mentioned, it's it's beyond our community. It's into the U.S. and other parts of Canada. Why does this matter? The working group represented such a unique group of women. Nobody would have been friends. Their lives didn't overlap. Their careers didn't overlap. And you saw a group of women come together and take their very specific skill sets and apply them to something as volunteers that changed the landscape of youth mental health. Mm-hmm. I found that really fascinating. That, And everybody was so respectful. It was the true definition of what a, a working group of incredible women should look like. There was respect. There was, we learned from each other. We embraced each other. We've also we had a lot fearless. of fun. We've had a lot of <laughs> fun. I think time, that's too. why we it's are lasted. keeping our volunteers. Yeah. Because we have a lot of laughs, mm-hmm. even when things go wrong. Mm-hmm. And I and think we probably and they learned have. <laughs> more when the mm-hmm. things have gone wrong, mm-hmm. what is working and what isn't working. Mm-hmm. Then when the things go right, I don't know if we always appreciated what we were doing, but when they didn't go right, it was a lot of wow, wow, mm-hmm. and and how to do it better. Mm-hmm. I think hiring Dr. Kaminsky when we put the research chair, yeah, this out is so huge to, to find the best world candidate, and that they would want to come to our great city of Ottawa and do work for DFD and youth mental health. And we had one of John Hopkins' best and brightest come to us and be passionate and inspired and genuinely enthusiastic. It's one of my proudest moments. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's worth noting, too, it's millions and millions of dollars that DIFD has raised. But it's been in $5 bracelets and bake sales and really this grassroots focus that the youth have um, embraced and continue to embrace. I, I think we're all surprised at um, how it continues to grow and spread and that there's so much love and support for everything that goes with um, everything DIFD stands for. It's amazing. I'm in awe of our youth. When I hear people say 
that they're worried about them and are they passionate? How do they feel about things? I have seen them be passionate. They care. They don't take no for an answer. They're their own advocates, which is remarkable. And I think it's made us as a community of adults and healthcare providers step up and say they want this and they're doing it. And they are, they're raising funds dollar to dollar. But for them, it's about the conversations. It's about the anti-stigma. That's why they're doing it. And as a byproduct, we've raised millions of dollars that stays in communities and goes directly into projects that aren't being funded. Mm -hmm. And that is really neat. And Luke and I and Morgan are very passionate about that component of it. So whether it be a hockey game and they raise $5, the value of that to us is incredible. And we see it at a different level too with the federal government really stepping up for their employees. And we've been asked to go in and participate at numerous departments just to share our story and that they realize that the person is the whole person. So even if the person isn't struggling, if they have a child at home struggling, how that affects them what they bring to work, and are they supported at work? And that's been really fun to be a part of that. Inspiring conversations. Inspiring conversations. So it's not just our yeah. youth, and it's the realization that it is the whole family. It, it does not happen in silos, and we need to have a community approach to people need to feel supported, they need to feel heard, and that stuff's free. Mm-hmm. It's free. Which is amazing. Can you talk about some of the things, so you mentioned that um, with the money raised, being able to get a chair at the hospital for research, which is so tremendous. What else has DIFD done? Yes, and that's just in Ottawa. So the other thing that we took as a model that was presented to us is that all the funds that DIFD raises can stay in the community that they're raised. And that's been really special for us. So a city that we were in, Binghamton, Mm -hmm. they really needed the funds for projects down there. So what they did was they would do little fundraisers and in the five, six hundred dollars, the thousand dollars that they raised would stay in the community of Binghamton. And when we go back there, I actually see the things that are happening. And that is really, really fascinating that we get to benefit each and every individual. Here in Ottawa, we have Dr. Kaminsky who came in from John Hopkins, the research chair. And what he is doing won't just benefit our community, but it's actually going to make a difference worldwide. So that's a big one for our city. It's amazing. And then we're running programs. One of them that I'm really um, inspired by is called Is It Just Me? And we bus kids in from all over and they come in and they are in the hospital. So that becomes less scary, right? The hospital setting, we bring them into the conference room and then we have presenters and we have people with lived experiences And then we have clinicians that'll come and talk to them and they get to see how their brain works, how they're feeling. And they know it isn't just them. And the success of that has been incredible. And they take those conversations back to other students. Um, The teachers that attend take it back to other teachers and they keep coming. So we send a couple thousand kids a year and it's not being done at the schools and we get to do it and it's free. All you have to do is call in. And your teacher signs up and you can bring your gym class, you can bring your health class, you can bring your leaders in training. It can be anything that the school wants and we will provide it for you. And they've developed the program for middle-aged children. That looks very different than high schoolers. And we also work with Algonquin and we do a big program for them every year. And that looks very different at the college level with their angsters, how they're feeling. Um, Do they have full-blown mental health issues that need solid treatment and medication we can help with that. And that's been really fun to provide that service. Well, it speaks to the need, though. It speaks to the need and it speaks to our community that 
they keep having events and we keep getting to give the money back to the community. Mm-hmm. It's um, not where you ever thought you would be, but the impact that the three of you have had and the leadership that you've shown has just been remarkable. Thank you. And we've had fun working together doing it yes, too, yes. which I think is a really, great really... Team. You, that, that's the best. Mm-hmm. If you have a great team of people around you, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. I agree. So public speaking, there's something. You have to do it all the time now. And you have to talk about some devastating things as well as some pretty inspiring things at the same time. So how'd you learn to get comfortable in front of a mic and in front of a crowd? Because they're often big crowds wanting to hear you speak. I was not, it was actually something I was not good at. I was used to Luke doing it anytime we had taken on a project. And he or, get, he had formal training and <laughs> yes. And right? he's been, yeah. and you're very comfortable with it. And they're usually really intense situations. So he was not intimidated by that component, even though he was a very like a devastated, sad, grieving father. That part didn't cause him angst because it was his whole environment. For me, I was never comfortable with it. So it was causing me a lot of angst. And there was a donation made on behalf of DIFD to Chio and Luke couldn't attend. And it was, it was quite substantial. And that was, the, that's the children's hospital in our, in our in community. Eastern, yeah. Yes. Of Eastern Ontario. Mm-hmm. And I felt just the way you're raised, a thank you had had to be given. So they invited us. And like I said, Luke couldn't go and couldn't do the thank you. And I had to stand up in front of the podium, not well, and say a few words. And it was the first time I did it. And it felt like such the right thing to do that I felt at peace. And I knew that's what Darren would have wanted to represent our family in that way, that people had made this significant contribution to change mental health. And I needed to acknowledge that. And it just kept growing. And so what, what, what are the tips? What are the tricks? What if somebody is scared to get up there and do it? What, what worked for you? Breathing. <laughs> do you Deep imagine the crowd breathing. a certain way or anything? You know, what? I imagine it as our community, mm. a community of friends. And I'm not an expert. I'm either saying thank you or sharing my story. And that became easier that I genuinely felt I was speaking to a community of people that wanted to be there and were embracing the same topic that I was so passionate about. I love that. So really, really kind of tapping into all that warmth and support. Yes. Yeah, that's good. They're not out there to just do anything other no, than cheer you but on. But I'm not there to lecture or give anyone <laughs> advice. I can only share what I had been through and what that looked like for us and, and our path back to being to being healthy and wanting to feel joy and love in the world again. And mm-hmm. I, I can speak to that. So that was that was fun to share with people. So I had to get my head around what did that look like for me? Yeah, which is no easy feat. No, but I was well supported, so that helps. Yeah. And sometimes it's uh, just one foot in front of the other. Yes, mm-hmm. that is very true. Mm-hmm. So I know that you uh, love to read. You're an avid reader. Um, I often see you with a book in hand or on your Kindle or whatever. So uh, you still have time right now to read or you got anything favorite? You making any recommendations? I have not. I have been off of reading and it doesn't feel good. I feel like I've lost a best friend. It is a really odd thing when you're used to reading yeah. all the time. So I'm actually looking for suggestions 
luckily I have a daughter that loves to read. Now she's just started Sapiens and thinks that that oh should my be gosh. my next read that she's Absolutely. passing along. I will tell you though, um, many people have have referenced that one and um, on the show. And I will tell you right now, it's sitting right now on my bedside table. I haven't right. read it. Okay. I haven't read it. It's sitting there. So whoever finishes first, I will be the next in line, there please. There you go. Okay. I might just pass it along oh. and then you can pass it back because, uh, yeah, it's, it, it is. It looked a little daunting when I saw it on her table, but she thought that would be a good way to get back yeah, into reading. So. Exactly. That's the way to do it. So it's not because you're distracted by a TV show right now. No, although we do like our series yeah. every once in a while. I don't know what that's going to look like for fall, but... Okay. Yes, again, open to suggestions. <laughs> Perfect. So what's something you wish you knew earlier? That when you're actually feeling fearful and ill at ease, there is support there. And I mean, even in something small, like moving to a new city and not quite sure what that looks like to reach out quicker and really engage with people. So I think my first couple moves, I would have been hesitant to do that. And I realized after I did it and I felt connected, how great that was. So I got better at it. So I wish I would have known earlier to just be present and reach out. And it doesn't always work the first time. And maybe the first neighbor you speak to, it's you're not, not their, their cup of tea, right? <laughs> right. But yeah. there might be another one. And it's to just plug away at that and the value of that human connection and that everybody, most people are feeling the same way and they want that. And I felt so much more at peace and healthy when I had those. Mm -hmm. So I think I would have, I would have liked to hone that skill mm -hmm. earlier. That kind of creating earlier that sense of community. Yes. What about mentors and champions? I know you are one for many people, but have you had them in your life? Numerous. And I'm so grateful for them. And you know, you are one. Mm -hmm. And whenever I had self-doubt with our DIFD project, you would always encourage me to trust my instincts. And it had so much value that I did not recognize that you're right. When I, when I took something to you and I wanted to bounce it off you and you would say, what is your gut telling you? And we would walk through that, that you're like, well, you know the answer. And it was to get more confident in trusting that. Mm -hmm. So those well, mentors helped with that. And I would say in your case, it's such a big responsibility, those dollars that are raised and you feel this responsibility to the community. Yes. And That's a lot I, of pressure on you and your family. It was. And you know, we take it very seriously I know you do. because they are community dollars. They mm -hmm. do not belong to us. They mm -hmm. go from the community to the hospital. And I really want to be involved in what that looks like. And we're very passionate about it. So we treat every quarter like it's our quarter. Mm -hmm. And you were also very helpful in connecting me to a fabulous woman in finance mm -hmm. that would just say, yes, this is great. Like, you're in good hands. The community is in good hands. And just to validate that. Mm -hmm. So I think the validation of that DIFD was on the right path and that we were doing the right thing. Those mentors were very helpful. I think one of the things that's so remarkable is how much impact it has had and continues to have. It's really meaningful. It's like it truly is changing lives and inspiring conversations. And when we think about how mental health used to be perceived and not even that long ago. Um, that in this, you know, in a decade of time, less, just slightly less than a decade of time to have such a transformation around how we think about it is uh, incredible. Yes, the countless of people that shared stories with us that they either had a sibling 
themselves, mm-hmm. a parent attempt or die by suicide and they had never shared it and the family had never shared it. And it was a conversation that even after they were touched by, by mental health issues and suicide, it was never discussed. And that was very surprising. It was very surprising and very rewarding to see the changes that have come about, that we are changing that for our young people. I, I hope we can move more mountains. Yeah, a brighter future. So final question, Stephanie, what is your dream for Canada? I would hope that that sense of community that I grew up in, that that would be coast to coast to coast. And I do think we will have happier, healthier people if we were able to establish that. And whether it be through your place of worship, through your hockey rink, through your school, that you feel a connection to people. The value of that to me is, is, well, it's immeasurable. Everything. Yes. Uh Uh Um, If we could do that better, Uh that would be my vision for Canada because I know we can do it. I think we just have to keep doing it better. I love that. That's a beautiful dream for Canada, the power of connection and, and the importance of community. And uh, Stephanie Richardson, DIFD, Youth Inspired Movement, it has been so powerful. And um, your leadership in this area, despite not wanting ever to be in this role, uh, has been so incredible. And so I'm deeply honored to have you on the show today. And thank you for all the work you and Luke and Morgan have been doing on behalf of Youth Mental Health. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We want our community to grow. Tell your friends, follow us on Instagram, and sign up for our newsletter at fearlesswomenpodcast.com to get the early scoop. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts or in your favorite app. And if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating. I'm Janice McDonald. Stay fearless. Thank you to the 30% Club Canada for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. The 30% Club believes that gender balance on boards and in senior management not only encourages better leadership and governance, but diversity further contributes to better all-around board performance and ultimately increased corporate performance for both companies and their shareholders. Want to learn more? Visit their website, 30percentclub.org, and select the Canada chapter to find out about membership, supporters, and key resources. Thank you to BDC, the bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. We love smart companies that want to amplify women's voices. For more information, go to bdc.ca slash women.